Welcome back to Brojo Online. Today we're going to be talking about being tough or having a tough mindset. We're going to challenge old school views of being tough and replace them with a much more current and modern psychological version of mental resilience and anti-fragility. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence and integrity with Dan Munro. So when we talk about being tough, it's important that we define that word because especially men and those who are interested in being more masculine often look at toughness as being this thing where you don't feel any emotions, you don't care about anything, you're ruthless and aggressive and dominant and that's not what I mean by tough. In fact, I don't believe that that is tough unless you are a psychopath and that's your natural disposition. That kind of apathetic ruthlessness is usually more a manifestation of deep insecurities. It's someone who's trying to dominate by force because they're terrified of being dominated themselves. When I talk about tough mindset, I'm much more talking about resilience and anti-fragility. Resilience is where something goes wrong, shit hits the fan, you get knocked down, and you get back up and you handle it as well as you possibly can. You're not destroyed by it, you're not tempted to show off, you're not tempted to run away. Or you might be tempted for these things where you don't follow through on them. You deal with it properly. You handle your business. That's what resilience really is. It's about doing the best you can in a shitty situation. Usually better than most people. And anti-fragility, a term coined by Nicholas Tlaib, is really about making sure that you benefit from things going wrong. That every time shit hits the fan and your plans get destroyed by real life, you end up being a better person because of it. So that way, your life going badly is actually a benefit. So when it goes well, it's enjoyable, and when it goes badly, you grow into a better person. So you're just winning all the time. That's a tough mindset. Okay, that's what mental fortitude and mental toughness is all about. So today we're going to talk about what that is and what that isn't, and how to build it. It's something I've built myself, I can say so without shame or without bragging or false modesty or boasting or anything. I'm just a lot tougher than I once was, mentally speaking, uh, which translates physically as well. It doesn't mean that I dominate people physically, but it's very hard to hurt me or put me in some sort of physically stressful situation that I can't handle, even if I don't win. Mental toughness doesn't mean you don't feel anything, or that you don't care, or that you're not affected. You still experience normal emotional reactions. The toughness is about how you respond to those emotional reactions, how you respond to thoughts and beliefs. And what we're really talking about is responding to them in the most helpful way possible, to you and everybody involved rather than the unhelpful way that most people respond to things going wrong. For example, avoidance and blame. There are people who run away from difficult issues. And these are often the same people who say this is someone else's fault or someone else's job to deal with it. They're constantly taking the easiest way out. And not only do they miss opportunities, they often let other people down and put other people in difficult positions because of this kind of cowardice. There are the people who panic so they have the emotional reaction of fear or anxiety, but then they fight against that reaction and go into a full-blown panic. They just totally freak out or they shut down emotionally. They can't even like sort of move 
and just having this massive conflict inside themselves, meanwhile the problem that needs to be solved is going unresolved. There are the people who kind of have the fight response. They stress out, they get really aggressive, they fight, they smash and break things, they might even get violent or they shout. They kind of try and force the problem to be solved out of this really aggressive emotional reaction. That's not toughness, and it's really important that I keep emphasizing this. Being dominant is not the same as being tough. To be dominant, you just have to be the strongest one there. It doesn't mean that you're confident, or secure, or emotionally stable. It just means you happen to be the toughest one physically. In terms of aggression, you're the toughest one in the room. But you put someone like that with someone up against someone who's actually mentally tough, and they will fold every time. I've seen it a million times, I've got to experience it myself. I've seen people fold in front of me who could beat me up physically, but I was able to see that mentally they were far more insecure than I was, and that's why they would fold in my presence or against my confrontation. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm some tough guy trying to boast to you. I'm just talking clear facts there. I've seen people that will win if everybody else is more insecure than them, but in the face of someone secure, they fall to pieces. And this is what often looks like toughness. But in reality, it's like a little boy with big muscles. Eventually, he's going to face a real man, and he's going to fall to pieces. There are the people who have an emotional overwhelm. They, they drown in their emotions. They have a breakdown. They have a flood. You know, some small thing goes wrong. It can be the tiniest thing, and their whole day is ruined. If something big goes wrong, you know, like a divorce or a death, they're traumatized for years afterwards they're affected in a negative way. So these are the people that are owned by their emotions. They have no sense of regulation or they're fragile. They're not used to things going wrong. So when things do go wrong, they crumble. They they have a brittle spirit. They're the people who kind of give up or fold under pressure. A classic one with nice guys and and people-pleasers, their default response is no response at all. It's just to sort of back down, to not ruffle any feathers or rock the boat or whatever. So in the face of things going really wrong, beyond their ability to handle, they just kind of lie back and take it, hoping that someday it will be over. You can see this in people who are in abusive relationships. They just eat shit until the other person ends it. There's suppression The wannabe James Bonds, who pretend that they're all good and they don't care about anything. They often mock people who do get emotionally affected, pretending, of course, that they don't. So this is a kind of reaction where you don't even want to admit that something is happening. You don't even want to admit that you're a human who's affected by things. You just want to play it out like you're perfect and nothing ever affects you and you're already solid. Essentially, it's faking being tough. And is almost certainly a symptom of not being tough at all. And then there's people who actually do a kind of preventative measure to avoid situations where they would need to be tough. They create a lifestyle that reduces the risk of things going wrong, of things being messy. People are like perfectionists and overachievers who try to like overdo everything so nothing could possibly go wrong. And then people who live a much more avoidant lifestyle. They just hide away in their safe little bubble just following like really strict routines or just sort of not engaging with the world beyond what they 
absolutely have to do, not chasing anything they want to chase or pursuing their dreams in any way or doing anything even slightly abnormal. These people just try to, try to avoid, they try to create a calm ocean so that there's no waves because they can't handle waves. Now, it sounds like I'm being pretty judgmental about people, but all of these descriptions could be appropriately applied to me personally at various points in my life, sometimes even in current day situations. So it's very rare. That's why I'm doing this talk. But I used to do a lot of avoidance and prevention when it came to difficult things or things going wrong by being a people pleaser, being a nice guy. That was ultimately a keep the ocean calm way of living because I didn't trust myself to handle things going wrong or being difficult or emotional. So I tried to prevent them from even occurring in the first place. And when they did occur, when something slipped out of my control, I would be overwhelmed. I'd flood with emotion. I was always at risk, even as an adult, of choking up and crying in the face of, a, of an emotional conflict with somebody, a confrontation. I'd have a kind of inner panic, and then I'd usually shy away from it because I didn't want people to see uh, how affected I was, how significantly affected I was. And every now and then I would explode, I would overreact. This one time I remember a friend of mine was like, uh, he was just like annoying me with a pool cue. And I just snapped. And like a year's worth of restrained frustration just exploded. And I, I punched him as hard as I could right in the center of his chest. I really wanted to hurt him. And this guy was like my best friend. And all he'd been doing is slightly annoying me. But people who are not resilient, people who are not anti-fragile, they do tend to have these pukes, as they're called, these tantrums, these explosions from all the suppressed emotion and all the bitterness about being walked over and so on. So if you're the kind of person who lashes out at people, you're not mentally tough. You're suppressed and you're exploding, which actually shows a huge lack of control. And I was all of those things. And occasionally I still do stuff like this, but very rarely. Because I have been deliberately, consciously, painstakingly building my mental toughness for many years now. There is a return on investment here. I can say with all due modesty that I am mentally tough now. It's very hard to shake me and very hard to stop me once I'm onto a goal. But I used to be very shakeable and very stoppable. And that's actually, I'm so bad, that's what inspired me to actually work on it in the first place. I have to quote Jordan Peterson here because he just put it beautifully, I think, when it comes to mental toughness, which is, he said, be the guy that people can lean on at your own father's funeral. And I just, I love that image. You know, I, I love my father a lot. I have a great relationship with him. If I'm around the day he dies, that's going to be a very difficult day for me. His funeral will be incredibly difficult for me, emotionally. But I got to witness him at his father's funeral, and he was exactly that guy. It's one of the reasons I admire my dad so much. It was his own father's funeral, and yet he's the, the one that everyone could lean on. Now, it doesn't mean that he was apathetic. He was very emotional, especially during his eulogy. But he kept his shit together, and he got the day sorted. And when everybody else broke down, he didn't break down completely. He had his emotions, but you could actually lean on him when it was really his day to be the weak one. Being mentally tough doesn't mean that you suppress your weaknesses or that you don't have any. It means you handle them so well that you've still got room left over to help other people with theirs. Even on your worst day, you're still tougher mentally than other people on their best day. 
And I don't mean to make this a comparison thing. You're not trying to out-tough other people. That's aggression and, and dominance. It's just a measurement thing. If you can keep your shit together at the funeral of the person who's most important to you, then you know you're mentally tough. And if you can do that without suppressing emotion, particularly, you're still feeling everything. It's still important to you. You still care, but you don't fall to pieces. You get shit done. You take care of business while feeling that way. That is mental toughness. That's why I love Jordan Peterson's quote there. See, the problem is, it was for me, and I see it in many other people, that most people fight against emotions and the shame they feel about having emotions, and that's why they're mentally fragile. My problem was I didn't want people to see that I didn't know what I was doing or that I'd been affected emotionally. And so I'd, I'd suppress and run away or avoid, or eventually the dam would burst. And either way, no matter how I dealt with this, the problem was really unsolved a lot of the times. Things would go wrong and I'd just leave them. I wouldn't do much with them. I wouldn't get to a point where I could move on properly. There are still girls that probably, you know, technically I'm still seeing them because I could never had the balls to break up with them properly. I just sort of ran away from the problem. There are people that I had resentments towards for years or decades and I never talked to them about it. I just left it. And there's like, I ate a lot of shit. You know, there's restaurants I went to that served me uncooked meat and they never heard about it. There's a lot of confrontations I didn't have. A lot of things that went wrong that I just kind of threw my toys about and gave up on. I had the most recent one, which I actually sort of turned around, is I tried my hand at cooking something. I'm not much of a chef, so this was kind of like a new hobby I was exploring. But it went really wrong. I tried to cook this like healthy coconut thing, and I really I asked too much of myself. I didn't follow their recipe, and I tried to wing it, even though I didn't have a fucking clue how to cook anything. And this thing just ended up being this like super dry coconut dust thing. It was just terrible to eat. It threw me off for a little while, but I've gotten back into it. A few months after that, I cooked some cookies to kind of redeem myself. But that was really symbolic of my past. You know, I'd try something once, it wouldn't go well, it wouldn't go to plan, and I'd just walk away from it forever because I couldn't handle that kind of failure. Whereas these days, I expect to fail the first time. And I'll fail a second time and a third. And I just keep going back. I mean, that's a great definition of mental toughness right there. Being able to, by choice, expose yourself to inevitable failure over and over again with very little promise of a return on investment. Just doing it because you can handle doing it and you know that that's how you're going to learn something. Like, you know you're mentally tough if you can learn something that's really tricky for you. You have no natural talent. You're slower than the other kids in the class kind of thing. If you can keep going at something like that, that's mental fortitude. That's resilience. To just go on and constantly fail simply because you've got a goal. So toughness, it's a mixture of this perseverance, but also this kind of willingness to get your hands dirty. Face whatever hassle or humiliation or confusion or conflict, confrontation, fear, whatever is required to bring something to a clean conclusion. To get to your goal, to live by your values, to move through whatever is in your way. Being willing to put up with whatever it takes to move through that thing. So I had a big think about this and I was like, well, what's the elements to mental toughness? What could somebody focus on developing in order to become more mentally tough? And I came up with a few elements. First one is presence. A key element to being tough, it's not about not having the reaction emotionally. It's about that space between your emotional reaction and your behavioral response to that emotional reaction. 
So there's kind of two reactions happening. The situation occurs, the problem happens, the thing goes wrong. And then you have one reaction, which is your emotional reaction, uncontrollable. You can't help but be affected. Your brain acts before you even realize anything's happening. And then you have a second reaction, which is a reaction to that first reaction. I'll be calling it a response, so I'm not saying the word reaction all the time. But presence is about creating a space between reaction and response. Thinking before you act, essentially, what we're saying here. The more emotional you are, the slower you go in terms of cognition. You take your time, you slow everything way down. Now, eventually, you will be able to respond quickly and decisively. In fact, it will feel slower than it is. Taking a second to take a deep breath feels like you're really slowing things down, but you're still moving pretty quickly. But being quick and decisive is not the same as reacting impulsively, letting the emotion just fight against the problem. It's about this deliberation, this presence going, okay, I'm pretty affected by this, so I'm just going to slow right down and just carefully move forward, creating that space. Another element is physical regulation. See, what most people try to do to be mentally tough, or to be tough in general, is they try to suppress their emotion. They try to control the emotional element of this. But toughness is about controlling the physical element of this. It's not about changing how you feel, but managing how you behave. It's about careful control of your body and your speech, of what you say and what you do, not what you feel and what you think. You can let those things run wild as long as you've got good reins on the horse that is your body, what you're going to say and do in reaction to this thing. And you can see it's kind of a knock-on effect from taking your time to think through what you're going to do, slowing yourself down when you get emotional to allow your rational brain to be involved in analysis of the situation. It's kind of like, okay, I can feel really affected, I can be really whatever, disappointed, scared, shocked, angry, defensive. But my body doesn't have to be angry, defensive, and panicky. My words don't have to be spiteful and nasty and defensive. Those I can actually manage. They don't have to be exactly what the emotional reaction is asking for. I can moderate this part of it. Another element is just simply to have experience with discomfort. If you're somebody who faces disappointment, shock, unexpected difficulties, problems you have to solve, hassles, as normal everyday occurrences that you deliberately choose to experience, then when things go wrong unexpectedly, it'll just be like another day at work for you. This will be your bread and butter. You're used to this shit. The people who really get crushed are the ones who aren't used to it. The fragile ones, the brittle ones. Or they're the ones who have it a lot, but they fight against it all the time. They never accept it. They never try to learn from it or grow from it. And so every day it's like a new drama. But mentally tough people are the ones where you're like, hey, something went wrong, that's fine, because this isn't that different to what I'm usually putting myself through anyway. If somebody who's been going to the gym for a long time suddenly has to move house and lift lots of boxes, it's not a big deal. They're used to lifting weights. This is just an unexpected one, as opposed to the gym. Somebody who travels all the time and deliberately goes through all the hassles of airports and maps and new cultures, they're not going to be that shocked when they meet someone who acts differently to what they're used to, because they're used to exposing themselves to differences. This is just another one they didn't expect. Whereas somebody who's lived in their hometown their whole life and never met anybody who looks different to them, is going to fall to pieces when some random immigrant comes to their town, because they don't have that experience.
So experience with discomfort, not only is it a key element to mental fortitude, it's the most practical measure that you can control. You can choose to be experienced with discomfort in order to prepare yourselves uh, for the difficult moments. And that's the one I really focused on. Another key element is patience. This kind of whatever it takes, however long it takes attitude. Not trying to force your way ahead in the queue. Being willing to out-endure whatever the barrier is. In my first book, The Legendary Life, I talked about erosion theory, which is if there's two forces battling against each other, what will tell you about the winner is not the strongest or the smartest, but the one that can endure the longest. Stamina that wins most battles. That's the reason that the sea can erode the rock-hard cliff face. It's because the sea has more stamina than the cliff does. It will bide its time. It will keep smashing against it until it breaks it down. And that's a mental toughness. When you're faced with a problem and you realize the problem's important to solve, this kind of ability to go, well, I'll take as long as it takes. I will put up with as much as I have to put up with. I will not be beaten by this thing. No matter how tough it is, I will be tougher. That kind of approach, is, it is patience because it's not like I'm going to beat this thing down. It's like, I'll wait if I have to. I'll take as long as I need to. And lastly, prioritization. This is really the smart part of being mentally tough. What Mark Manson and his, talks about a lot in his book, Subtle Art Not Giving a Fuck, this is about having a really clear guidance system on what to give a fuck about. Most people, the reason they struggle is because they're unable to distinguish between what matters and what doesn't. Just go into any social media comment section to see people wasting their time with something that doesn't matter. And neglecting the things like work and family that do matter in order to do this thing. So prioritization is about knowing your values, you know, the principles you want to live by. And your goals, what are you working on, what matters to you. Who comes first, who comes second, who are the people in your life and what hierarchy do they take. Because you're going to react emotionally to a lot of things that aren't important. You react to all aggravations identically. But not all aggravations are related to things you actually give a fuck about. So somebody's mentally tough is really carefully managing their priorities. They know what battles to fight and what ones to surrender. So let's put this practically because I wanted to keep this one kind of short today. So let's talk first about dealing with something going wrong short term. As in it's actually just going wrong and this isn't a long term sort of development work. So shit hits the fan, your plans go to dust, everything's going wrong, what can you do to react in the toughest possible way in that moment? Well, first and foremost, it's a cliche, but deep breaths. If you want to manage your physiological reaction, if you want to manage your body, even though you can't manage your mind and your kind of emotions, you can always, always manage your breath, even in the depths of a panic attack you can control your breathing. There is almost no problem that's so urgent you don't have time for five deep breaths. Five long, deep breaths. That'll give you the upper hand by at least, you know, sort of 30% on not doing it, right? You'll be that much more calmer and deliberate. It gives your mind a chance to have that first emotional reaction and then to allow your brain to kind of reconsider what's really going on. To have another fresh look at it. This also allows you to engage in another short-term principle, which is the more emotional you are, the slower and deliberate you become. 
So if you've got a big issue happening, you should be going at snail's pace at first. You're always moving forward though. The slow does not mean avoidant or running away from the thing. You're moving towards it, but you're taking, really taking your time to do it. Because the more emotional you are, the less you can trust your thinking and decision making. It needs a lot more time to get through the emotional fog. So you slow things right down. You turn off all the rush and urgency warning bells that are going off in your head and say, look, I'll take my sweet fucking time with this because, you know, in order to be mentally tough, I've got to be smart. And if I'm really emotional, I'm more likely to make rash and impulsive and, let's face it, stupid decisions. Mentally tough people take their time to allow the rational brain to function. And in that time taken is the time to start asking yourself some questions. See, mental toughness is actually a trick of employing rationality when emotions want to rule. And the best way to employ your rational brain is to ask questions because the limbic system and the brainstem, they don't really actually have the circuitry to answer questions. They just have feeling. It's your rational brain, the the human neocortex part of the brain that answers questions. And especially meaningful questions that aren't just yes, no, they require some thought. Questions like, what is the healthiest way to respond to this? What would a calm, confident person do? What do I need to do today to be proud of myself tomorrow? When's the latest that this problem can be solved? How much time do I have before somebody is killed by this problem? These kinds of questions give you a sense of what you would be doing if you weren't so emotional right now. Okay? Remember, it's not about shutting the emotion off. That emotion is actually going to give you power. Like if the answer to the question, what would a calm, confident person do, is they would confront them directly. You might need some anger to overcome your fear. So anger's fine. You're just going to do it where you carefully control your body and your words. Okay, You can be angry, but you can be controlled angry. You don't have to be... Loose cannon throwing chairs at the wall angry. Another short-term principle here is you've got to notice the temptations for instant gratification. Your emotions are going to be coming up with ideas as to what you could do, and they are all instantly rewarding, but usually damaging in the long term. Like trying to get revenge, or trying to win. These are quick fixes that your brain's throwing at you. And somebody who is mentally tough isn't going for the quick fix. They're going for the long-term best possible solution. So you can acknowledge these temptations, but don't act on them. Just go, oh yeah, I can see because I'm angry, I just really want to yell at this guy. There's an instant revenge gratification there. But is yelling the healthiest way to solve this? Am I going to be proud of yelling tomorrow? Do I look up to people who yell? Or do I look up to people who can hold their ground and calmly state their case even in the face of abuse? Which guy do I, would I rather be in this situation? Do I want to take that instant gratification that I know from experience is going to harm my life? Or do I want to step up and be that person I've always wished I could be? That's a little short-term conversation you can have in that slowness and that space that you create. And also in that space, you've got to be asking yourself like, What are my goals? What are my values? Who are the most important people? Do I need to be having this fight? And if so, what am I fighting for and who am I fighting for? Who matters to me the most? Who matters to me the least? What values do I want to be living by here? What goals are being threatened? And if none, you know, if you come to a conclusion, look, nobody in this situation matters to me. This doesn't affect any of my goals. And I can't think clearly how this is the best way for me to live by my values. Then the actual solution to this problem is to get the fuck out of there. 
If you're deep into some YouTube argument in the comments that's getting really racist and abusive with a bunch of strangers you don't know, and you've actually paused writing your book to have this argument, then what the fuck are you doing here? You're actually giving in to instant gratification just being here. Get the fuck out and do the right thing by working on what you should be working on after you've had a few deep breaths. So that's a short-term tough mindset response to a difficult situation. Let's talk now, finish off by talking about the long-term preparation so that you're more mentally tough in general. First and foremost, my favorite, discomfort exposure. So this is about deliberately choosing to make things a little bit harder for yourself than you usually would, just so that you're better prepared for things going wrong in general. Essentially, this is about choosing the toughest way to do almost everything. Now, you don't have to do this with everything all the time, but at least a few times a day, when you're presented with an option of doing something an easy way and doing it a hard way, choose the hard way just to do it the hard way. Okay, you could email someone, but it's less comfortable to call them, so call them. You could drive to the shops, or you could walk, which is harder, so walk. You could order pizza, or you could cook the meal yourself, which is more difficult, so cook the meal. Always looking for that slightly more difficult, more hassle, more confusion type option. So when life throws these things at you, which it's going to do anyway, you'll be like, ah, yeah, it's like everything else I've been doing this week. I'm used to this shit. You'll often find that the harder way to do something comes with more pride at the end. You'll be proud of yourself for walking rather than driving, or for cooking rather than buying, for confronting someone face-to-face rather than hiding behind the internet. Often the hardest route might take longer, more of a hassle, more uncomfortable, but ultimately it's what life's really about, is doing those things. Because taking the easy way out's never really brought you much satisfaction. Number two, I guess, would be meditation. Meditation, or mindfulness meditation, isn't about trying to get in touch with God or the universe, in my opinion anyway. It's all about practicing creating a space between emotional reaction and response. Meditation is about learning to see yourself, have thoughts and feelings, without reacting to them physically in any unhelpful way. For 10 minutes you can watch yourself be disappointed, stressed, distracted, upset, whatever, and just watch it happen without doing anything about it, then you're actually showing yourself that there's a space between feeling and action. The bigger that space is, the more room there is for a tough reaction, we could say, or a confident reaction. Another one is journaling. And this is where you look backwards over the way you've reacted to things and start to notice the difference between emotional and behavioral responses. You're always trying to improve the latter. You're always trying to make sure behavioral responses are healthier and healthier over time. That you're more and more proud of yourself for what you've done. And more sort of accepting of the former. So when you have emotional reactions, just learning to let them be. It's great to journal and say, I was sad today, but I didn't binge on sugar. I just was sad until it went away. Learning to create that kind of acceptance of emotions so that they don't dominate you. Another one, a big one, is knowing your values and your goals. Know what you should be focused on and why you're doing what you do. Do you really need to be arguing in the YouTube comments? Is that on your plan for life? Is winning an argument living by your values or is honesty living by your values? What happens when you can't do both? Do you know? Do you know clearly that if anything goes wrong, what values you want to live by and what goals you're trying to achieve? Because if you know that before something goes wrong, it's so much easier to deal with. 
if you go into a situation and everything's gone to shit and you don't even know what you really wanted in the first place, you're going to be really confused. Another big one is removing your crutches and addictions. You want to face life sober. Socialize without alcohol. Be sad without flicking through Facebook. Argue with your partner without going and binging on cake afterwards. Be bored without playing video games. Learn to face life on life's terms without these distractions and highs that you use to moderate your emotions. Learn to just tolerate your emotions. To be able to feel them and not run away from them. Another big one is endurance training. Marathons, writing a book, painting a house, babysitting difficult children for hours, completing long-term difficult projects, depriving yourself of sleep. There's a lot of long-term endurance type things that build mental toughness. The things where you have to deal with either a low level or a high level consistent pain for a long period of time without relief. And you just have to practice kind of patience and stamina. These things, you know, when things go poorly for you, often the, the worst thing is just how long they take to solve. And if you're used to facing up to long-term problems that take ages to solve, you know, you'll instantly be able to tap into that patience. And with things like if, if you learn to do running, for example, marathon running, this kind of step-by-step-by-step by step by step that gets you through it is something you can apply to so many different problems in life beyond running. And lastly, because most of the mental toughness is a social problem, empathy training. Getting to know the people that you judge the most. Getting to understand their psychology, or the psychology of kind of harmful behavior in general. Learning as much as you can about how the brain works, about cognitive biases, about behavioral psychology. It'll make you less reactive because you won't have that first blame reaction that you usually have. Like, whose fault is this and why are people such assholes? You already have an answer to that. An answer like, well, there's no such thing as free will, most decision making is determined, and everybody is a result of everything that's ever happened to them, so this was inevitable. There's much less of a like, oh my god, something's wrong, something's being targeted at me, poor me. And just more of a like, okay, this is life. Everybody suffers, this is my suffering, I'm going to have to deal with it. I'm just going to have to square up to this bitch and, and put in a good effort. You know, starting from that point... From understanding psychology, understanding you're going to have problems no matter how you live, and that other people are going to be problematic no matter how nice you are to them, can take away that kind of victim mentality of this shouldn't be happening to me, and replace it with one, actually this is definitely going to happen to me repeatedly, so let's deal with it. Hope that was helpful. If you want to build your mental resilience, get in touch, dan at brojo.co.nz. Get out there and get uncomfortable, and I'll see you all next time. Cheers.